Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burrigan campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. Well, good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to be here with you this morning. You've had a little bit of practice, but he is risen. He is risen indeed. Hmm. Okay. That's fine. You fumbled that one, church. Let's be honest. You fumbled that one. It's all right. He's risen anyway, so um, it's all good. Before I do anything this morning, I want to welcome all the kids. It's just wonderful to have you guys with us today. We do have worksheets down the front for you guys, just on these little white tables. So feel free to grab one as you listen along. And just as a little side note, uh, there's a story that I want to tell at the end of my message that I want you to pay particular attention to, okay, kids? I know that you're listening to all of it, but probably not really. But if you remember nothing else, I want you to remember that story, okay? So feel free to come down and grab some uh, worksheets. Fantastic things that our children's pastor Mim has prepared. But I want you to be listening to the story that I tell at the end. You know, we spent some time on Friday reflecting on the sacrifice that Jesus made. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, our brokenness, but not only for ours, for the sins of the whole world. What a beautiful truth that is. The King of Kings took my place and set me free. May we never take it for granted. That's Good Friday. Well, this morning, we want to have a look at what that hope means for me in the midst of my ongoing brokenness. Because that's the elephant in the room, right? My ongoing brokenness. 1 John chapter 1 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's gone. Romans 8, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Jesus from the law of sin and death. And then Mike Miles' favorite verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Well, that's the good news of the gospel. It's, it's the message of Easter. And I was a broken sinner who wanted nothing to do with God. It wasn't just ignorance. No, I wanted to go my own way. I wanted to sit on the throne. I wanted to do it my way. And that didn't end all that well for me. And eventually I came to a place where I realized, I, I can't do this. In steps Jesus. Well, he lived the life that I was supposed to live, and he died the death that I should have died. And he paid the price for my sin, my rebellion, and, and reconciled me to the Father. And he set me free. That's the gospel. All of that is true, and we celebrate all of that. And yet I stand here today still broken. Still broken. I failed miserably just the other day. Anna and I are taking a couple through pre-marriage at the moment. Week three is all about conflict and how to work through things in a healthy way. That seems like a good thing, right? And we go through the session together and pass on a whole bunch of wisdom, but you know, we got this thing sorted, right? We've been married 11 years. We're doing well. We're passing wisdom on, right? 
And the next day, I go to work. It's a long day, there's a lot on. I get home, Anna isn't happy about something, and all of that wisdom is just gone, gone. Forget about the strategies. Reflective listening sucks, and we all know it. Ain't nobody got time for that, and I'm tired. And we just failed fairly miserably, mostly me, right? Now you'll be happy to know. We hit the pause button. We came back like an hour later, and we talked it through. We're okay. We still love each other, all right? But it's hard not to feel like a hypocrite. It's hard, particularly when it's like the very next day. The Lord has done so much in my life, but I'm still broken, still absolutely broken. And I don't think I'm alone in that. This place is full of believers, but I don't see perfection anywhere. So what's the deal? How do we hold these two things together? Well, it's, it's the now and not yet aspect of the kingdom of God. We're hanging on that cross. Jesus said, it is finished, and he meant it. But we haven't experienced the fullness of that work, not yet. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm free to walk in righteousness, but sometimes I don't. The relationship's been restored. He's not going anywhere, but that doesn't stop me from wondering. No, I, I do it all the time. Well, that doesn't catch him by surprise. He's fully aware of my ongoing brokenness. It's why he gave us the Spirit. The Spirit of God is the seal of my salvation. He, he comforts me and guides me, but he's there also to mold me into the image of Christ, into the person I was always meant to be. Right? It's all true. Jesus paid the price for my sin, but the Spirit is the one who leads me out of it, and it's an ongoing process. So if you're here this morning and, and, and you're not a churchgoer, you're not a believer, and you're wondering why Christians are such hypocrites, that's why. Every one of us should be walking around with a sign that says, work in progress. And then for some of us, beware, progress is slow. <laughs> like real slow. And I don't want you to look at anybody right now, okay? Guard against that temptation. Progress is slow. It's true. Now, theologically, that's how we make sense of our ongoing brokenness. We're a work in progress. Now, that doesn't make it any less discouraging. I don't know about you, but I get frustrated by the lack of progress. And the Lord has been working on stuff in, in my life for years. Some stuff in there he's been working on for years. And I wish that wasn't true, but it is. It is true. And here's the thing. So often that frustration turns into shame. It's a tool of the enemy, actually. Satan uses the sin in my life to lead me into shame, and then he uses that shame to turn my face away from the Father. Exactly what we see with Moses at the burning bush. Anybody remember the story of Moses? He's out in the wilderness looking after Jethro's flock. God calls to him from a burning bush, right? And tells him to remove his sandals because he's standing on holy ground. And he says to Moses, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. 
In other words, he's saying to Moses, I'm your God. And just think about how significant that is to hear the king of kings call you by name and say, I'm your God. And yet the very next verse says, at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And why was he afraid? Well, he had an enormous amount of shame. We don't have time to go into why that is, but you know his story. Carried an enormous amount of shame. Now, I'm just convinced that shame is one of the greatest tools of the enemy. And takes our eyes off of Jesus and onto our own brokenness. A brokenness that's been paid for on the cross. It's done, it's dealt with. Which is why we get to 1 John chapter 2 and the Apostle John says, My dear children... I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate, a champion with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. We have an advocate. Well, this is John writing to a group of people that he loved dearly, absolutely loved them, but he's not an idiot. He wants them to walk in obedience because he knows that's where a fullness of life is found. The Bible never celebrates sin, never. But it offers incredible hope to the sinner. Which is why John says, when you sin, when you stumble, you need to know that we have an advocate. That word is paracleton. And it means mediator or intercessor. But I love the way that John Piper puts it. He says, the only thing that can keep us from despairing before an infinitely holy God is an advocate in heaven who pleads our case, not on the basis of our perfection, but on his. It's that beautiful little hymn that Graham referenced on Good Friday, Before the Throne of God. Anybody know that hymn? I want to read a part of it for you. Because this is what it means to have an advocate. It says, Before the throne of God, I have a strong, a perfect plea. A great high priest whose name is love, who ever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I know that while with God he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. That's the key right there. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. If only you could grab a hold of that. Am I broken? Absolutely. I'm a work in progress. But every time I stumble, Jesus is there pointing to himself. He says, I paid for that. My sacrifice is enough. This one's with me. That's what it means to have an advocate with the Father. It changes everything. See, our natural tendency is to hide, to run and to hide. Go all the way back to Adam and Eve, and you see that's what we do. We run and we hide. 
we mess up, instead of immediately turning around and confessing it to God, we hide. We avoid him for a couple of days just to put some distance between us and you know, that thing over there that's making us feel icky about ourselves. And then when we think that maybe he's moved on and, and it's not such a big deal anymore, we come back to God and we say, oh, I'm so sorry. That's not conviction, it's shame. And you need to know your advocate would never shame you. He'd never condemn you, he's for you. He is your champion. No one supports you like Jesus. No one is for you like Jesus. And our great hope is that even when I'm unfaithful, he is always faithful. They're interceding on my behalf. You know, I remember when Seb was learning to walk. This is the story, by the way, kids, that I was talking about, so come back to me. Focus, right? Come back to me. I remember when he was learning to walk he was a pretty lazy baby, so it took him a while, to be honest with you. But eventually, he started to grab hold of things and, and lift himself up, right? That's step number one. They, they grab hold of a table or whatever, and they kind of lift themselves up, try to build their leg strength. And he had a little wooden abacus that he'd use as a walking frame as he chased the dogs around. It was just the cutest thing you've ever seen, right? And I think there's something in that picture for us today at the heart of a parent. The truth is that Seb did a whole lot of falling before he did any real walking. Take a step or two, maybe even three, and then he'd kind of crumple to the ground. There was a fair bit of flubber there, so it was just kind of... <laughs> but as a parent, the truth is that I celebrated every step. I wasn't standing there like, oh, I can't believe you fell over again. You giant failure. I cannot believe this. You've been at this for weeks. And you're trying to tell me you haven't figured this out yet. Everybody else is doing it. Come on, man. No, that's ridiculous. That's crazy. No parent would do that. Now, every parent in this room knows, because we all went through this, you celebrate every step, every little bit of progress. And I was proud of him, even when he fell, because he's my son. He's my son. I love him dealing. It's my job as a parent to champion him. It's my job. Now he'd run to me even when he was stumbling because he knew that, that I was for him. So I'd catch him. That's the trust he had. Now that's the picture I get when I think about Jesus standing before the Father. He's not sitting up on a cloud just waiting to smite you. That's what so many people in our society think. That's what they see when they think about God. And it's just not true. No, he celebrates every step you make. He is your champion, your advocate. He is for you even when you fall. That just changes everything. I don't have to run and hide. I don't have to, because my champion is there. And he's saying, this one's with me. Here's where I want to finish this morning. In just a moment, we're going to take communion together. 
But I want to give you a chance to listen, to tune in to the voice of your advocate. Don't worry about what the world says. Don't worry about the monologue happening in here, right? Don't worry about that. What is Jesus speaking over you this morning? What is your champion? What is your advocate speaking over you this morning? He's always speaking, but we're not always listening. So let's stop and give him a chance to speak to us this morning. So what I want you to do, I just want you to close your eyes. And we're just going to be silent together. We're going to allow the champion, the advocate to speak to us this morning. Jesus paid an enormous price to be with you this morning, to be your advocate, your champion, to speak over you. We want to stop and we want to remember the price that he paid to make all of this a reality. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let's eat and drink together in remembrance of our advocate, our champion. Jesus, I thank you that you are for us ever faithful, ever interceding on our behalf, that the Father can look at us through the lens of your perfection, your righteousness. I thank you, Jesus, that it's not about us, our ability to be good enough or to tick all the boxes, but it's just about you. And because it's about you, it's hope for all. We thank you, Jesus, for the hope of Easter. what it means to have an advocate with the Father. We honor you, Jesus, for who you are. You are truly good and you're good to us. 
And I pray, Jesus, right here, right now, that you would set this group of people free from shame. We know that shame isn't from you. Romans 8.1, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And we know it comes not from you, it comes from the enemy. And so I pray right here, right now, that you would set us as a group of people free from shame. That even when we stumble, we would know that you, our champion, are there, faithful for us. This I pray for in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.